Disrupting Japan, Episode 54. Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening. Ten years ago, it was common knowledge that e commerce would drive most retail shops, especially small specialty shops, out of business. And with the Amazon juggernaut moving at full speed, there is no reason to really doubt that opinion. But something very interesting is going on right now. Many e commerce companies are opening physical stores in expensive locations with actual products and full time staff. Even Amazon is opening up brick and mortar bookstores across the United States. The truth is that there is something very reassuring about holding a product in your own hands. And it's something that can't really be replaced by high res photos and online reviews. Tomohiro Hagiwara of Aquabit Spirals has committed his company, in fact, committed a large part of his adult life, to bridging the gap between the physical and digital worlds. But before I introduce you to Tomo, let me introduce you to someone else. I want to tell you about Justa. Now, I've known these guys for years, and I've been recommending them long before they became a sponsor. Justa is really the only recruiting site that gets bilingual startups. Whether you're looking for American engineers or Japanese sales staff or the other way around, Justa can help you out. Unlike recruiting companies, they're priced to be very startup friendly, and unlike job boards, they're an active part of the startup community here. And they're trusted by some of the best talent Japan has to offer. So drop by justa.io and see what they're about. Now, Tomo once had a thriving, profitable app development business that employed over 30 people. But he was committed enough to his vision of connecting the physical and digital that he turned down work and laid off most of his staff so he could focus on it. And after working on it in obscurity for six years, He's now becoming an overnight success. But Tomo tells the story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. Okay, cheers. Cheers. Thank you.、Uh, I'm very glad to see you. Glad to have you here. Oh, God. I'm sitting here with Tomo Hagiwara, CEO of Aquabit Spirals, and thanks for sitting down with me. Yeah, thank you.、Uh, nice to meet you here.、Yeah. And、um, I'm very glad to meet you today. Great. Now, Aquabit Spirals makes the smart plate, which is a physical device that allows bookmarking physical objects、yeah. with your phone, but I think you can explain it much better than I can.、Uh-huh. So, what is smart plate and who uses it?、Uh, smart plate is a, a physical bookmark, we call it, and uh, uh, it delivers various digital content to your smartphone directly. Uh, just、uh, sliding on your smartphone on our device.、Mm-hmm. So uh, then uh, our smart plate can connect things or places with internet services or、uh, content directly. Okay, so I'm, I'm looking at two versions here. So one looks like a card and one is about the size of your thumb. And also you have another type, a sticker type. What's the technology that's going on when you wave your phone over this? How is it communicating? Okay. Uh, we use NFC technology,、mm-hmm. near field communication,、uh, and also、uh, we can support、uh, QR code,、uh, 
back on technology to deliver the content. But, uh, but not only uh, QR code and NFC, but uh, also we can support Bluetooth technology, BLE. So we know where about, uh, uh, we know where it as uh, iBeacon or something. On the technology level, what happens when I wave my iPhone over this smart plate? Mm -hmm. What's happening? iPhone. For example. Okay. <laughs> okay, please use Android at first. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when I wave my Android phone yeah. over this smart plate, yeah. what happens? Okay, uh, our device can deliver, uh, can connect the things to the internet content, as I told you. So uh, it opens some uh, online content directly on your browser or uh, launch uh, some specific application directly from the plate. Okay, so how is this different from, for example, the functionality of a QR code? Basically, uh, same, but uh, NFC does not need to install specific application in advance. Oh, okay. no, no apps to use it. So please imagine how to use QR code to get a content. You know, you have to find the apps, uh, barcode app at first, mm -hmm. and uh, tap and launch it, and then scan the QR code. You know, it's not easy for everyone. This requires no application to be installed on the, the yeah, phone at all. Right. And right now, though, it only runs on Android, not yet iPhone. And right now, yes. Okay. But, but iPhone supported uh, NFC technology already uh, on hardware, but it's only protected on the software right now. Okay. Excellent. So we're just waiting uh, for they will open the technology to everyone. Fantastic. Let's talk a bit about how this is being used now. Because I yeah. think you've got some really interesting things going on. You're running a, a showroom mm -hmm. in showroom, Osaka. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, that case is a retail industry. And we installed a smart plate uh, into our partner's uh, brick store in Osaka. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, they don't have uh, stock spaces in their store. So that means they just are displaying their all, all products in so it's, store. It's literally just a showroom. Showroom, just showroom. And, and what kind of store is it? Uh, it's a DIY tool store. Okay. So yes. power drills and right. things yeah, like yeah. that. Yes. Actually, uh, they, their business is started on uh, you know e-commerce site. So their main business is uh, uh, online selling DIY tools, and that means we cannot uh, touch and feel all products online. So each, each item, each drill or saw would have yep. a smart plate underneath it. Yes. You would tap your phone to fill your shopping cart. Then if you tap to the some drill in showroom, uh -huh. so it opens a landing page on your browser, and it shows a sum of buttons in that one screen, a YouTube movie, how to use it. Okay? And another button uh, uh, delivers uh, product information from... Uh, a manufacturer, and another oh. one can open a shopping cart on, online. Okay, so it's much more than just e-commerce. It's a lot of information and product right, info. Right. Fantastic. Yes. I always find it interesting mm -hmm. when companies move against the trend. Mm -hmm. So all of the brick-and-mortar retailers are opening up an e-commerce site, yeah. but here we have an e-commerce company mm -hmm. opening up a brick-and-mortar Right. But Shop. with no inventory and right. with no cash registers. That's a very innovative use for this yeah. technology for yeah. a first customer or yeah. an early customer. Yeah. So how did you convince them to try this? 
Or did they approach you with the idea? It's my idea. So you approached them with the idea? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So about two, no, three years ago, I got that idea. So using this NFC technology in showroom, so then we can sell all of items. So I get, got that idea in the summer. And uh, uh, the DIY store, uh, the CEO of that company, DIY3.com, is my old friend. Okay. And so I, I remember him, oh, this is good for him. So I called to him in that summer. I explained my idea. So he was very excited. He said, let's give this a try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and how did it work out for him? Is it selling well? Is it popular? In Japan? Uh, actually, not so popular right now. This, hmm. is very, you know, you know, this is a very brand new user experience. And uh, probably, as you know, NFC technology is not so popular in Japan. Currently, it's only for uh, payment, as we know, uh, uh, Ferica technology. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's a part of NFC technology. So uh, in Japan, currently, we have only cases to use NFC technology for payment. So not wow. information delivery or not uh, uh, selling some items in the physical place. My case was the first time in Japan, maybe not only in Japan, but in the global market. But I, I love the idea. Mm-hmm. But I, I suppose right now, the fact that it doesn't run on iPhone yet yep. is, a, is a bit of a problem for yep. the showroom experience. Mm-hmm iPhone doesn't support reading NFC information right now. Probably it's uh, one of the reasons this idea it cannot hit the market well right now in Japan. Because Japanese uh, mobile market have a lot of share. Uh, iPhone have a lot of share, yeah. market share in Japan. But it's reducing right now. Well, how do you get around that? You mentioned that iPhone opens up this functionality through software. Mm-hmm. So would it be possible to build an app? that a consumer could install and mm-hmm. then use this technology? I believe so. Uh, this is a very basic feature on NFC. Uh, get a URL information from NFC tag, then launch uh, default web browser. This is very basic function. Right. You know, uh, Android, right now, we don't have to install a specific application right. to read NFC. That's and, a huge advantage. Yeah. And uh, I believe uh, it will be same on iPhone, we don't have to install some application. Probably the OS will support by default to read NFC information. So you I think mean, eventually the market will force Apple to support that natively? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. It does seem like very safe and useful functionality. Mm-hmm. So if another showroom wanted to mm-hmm. use this technology, mm-hmm. What's the cost involved in setting up a system like this? Uh, we have two types of business model. Uh, it's very simple. The, the one is a subscription, and another one is a revenue sharing. Okay. On that subscription model, uh, we charge uh, only 300 US dollars for monthly, and monthly uh, for 200 uh, smart plates. So... $300 for 200 right. SKUs. Right, right. Yes. Okay. Well, that is reasonable. I also want to talk about another project that you mm-hmm. have up and running, simply because it just seems so unusual mm-hmm. for a lighthouse yeah. account. And you've got a partnership with a company called Travely uh, yeah. in Thailand. Yeah. 
hooking up with Airbnb rentals. Right, right. So can you explain what, what's going on there? Okay, this is another case in the travel industry. We installed smart plate in Airbnb sharing rooms mm-hmm. and connect with a local activity online site. So if someone wants to go water skiing or parasailing or something in yeah, Thailand? Yeah, please imagine if you uh, go to the Thailand, uh, Bangkok, uh-huh. and uh, check in the, some room. Uh, probably you want to get uh, some information, uh, some local activities around that room. So then you can tap our smart place, then it opens their site and uh, find and search uh, some activities around your place. What's the story behind that deal? Because it's okay. not an obvious one. Was uh-huh. this another friend of yours that you convinced was a good idea to try? Uh-huh. Actually, in this case, the CEO of that company is Japanese, actually. Ah. Not only is that reason, but uh, we have approached to the all over the world from two years ago, from before uh, starting up this business. Mm-hmm. So I went to the Mobile World Congress every year for these five years, and also another uh, expedition in Asia, many, many times, and I made uh, many uh, human networks, uh, business networks all over the world. Uh, uh, I have uh, many networks in Asia, not only Asia, but uh, in Europe. Okay, so it was personal connections you built up, yeah, networking it, over the basically years. Basically personal connection, but uh, I mean, I meet some person in some uh, venues uh, of uh, Expo or something. Uh-huh. So maybe three or four years ago, I made my presentation and uh, uh, I talked a lot of my ideas using this NFT technology. So we made a many, many discussions with all the industry in, in the world. Uh-huh. So that's why I got many ideas how to use this technology in which industry. So many Japanese companies today are mm-hmm. talking about the importance of going global. Mm-hmm. Do you find it distracting mm-hmm. or difficult to have to deal with companies outside Japan and inside Japan while trying to manage growth? Mm. Yeah, actually, many of Japanese startups say, yes, we want to go to Grover, right? Right. Go to Grover, go to Grover. But uh, I mean, uh, not go global, but uh, uh, global fast. We should think global fast. What do you mean by that? Go global means, in many cases, at first, we will start our business in Japan, and after we uh, have some small success in Japan, then go global. Oh, okay. Know? Everybody says so. But you're thinking more just from day one, you're a global company. Yeah, yeah. I like that from a philosophy mm-hmm. point of view, mm-hmm. but on a practical day-to-day level, mm-hmm. if someone is starting a company today, mm-hmm. What do they do to be global from day one? In my case, I got my idea using this NFC technology in every industry. Right. Uh, is uh, not from Japan, but uh, you know, from the global market. Because I went to many, many experiments or... Uh, like trade uh, shows? Yeah, trade shows mm. uh, all over the world. I checked and learned uh, many technologies uh, for uh, proximity communications. My idea is from global market at the beginning. So it's very natural for me to uh, think global fast. Uh, our idea is probably uh, it's a world fast one. That means uh, nobody thinks same thing, I think. I have complaint hmm. about that. So that's why we can uh, expand this idea and business to the global market, you know, because this is a world fast one. But uh, if 
I copied some idea from global to Japan market. I see. We we have we it's easy to uh, you know expand it in Japan, but uh, in global market it's not a new idea. So we have many competitors. So it will probably it will hard to you know fight with them. That is true.、Market. There are an awful lot of startups, not just in Japan, but、mm-hmm. all over Asia, that are copycats right, of right. famous U.S. startups.、Right. And that's not a bad thing. Those companies can make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they can't go global.、Mm-hmm. For example, some of taxi apps. You know, we have many taxi app in Asia. Right. It's copied from Uber, right? That's why they start their business in their local areas, and of course they can success because it's a, this model is success already in、um, America or other region.、Sure. It's easy to raise money. Yeah. It's yeah. E- you know. It's, yes, it's easy to raise money because it's copied. Yeah. So maybe,、uh, a lot of startup maybe feel scary、uh, to go to global, right? Yeah. Well, actually, you know, let's shift gears for a little bit,、mm-hmm. and let's talk a bit about the history of Aquabit Spirals,、mm-hmm. because you got investment late last year, and so there were lots of articles written about you. But you've been working on this for a long time.、Mm-hmm. You started the company in two thousand and nine, right? Yeah. In the early days, in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, what were、yeah. you working on? When we start up this company, our main business is software development for contract-based software development. Okay. For our business partners, so that means、uh, you know we don't develop our original platform systems or something, but、uh, we just develop by order, right? Right. So, so just it, contract development. Yes, contract development. Right. Uh, we did that business、uh, for three or four years,、mm-hmm. so that's why、uh, we can develop everything, you know, <laughs> on、uh, on the internet, you know, server side and uh, uh, smartphone application and every, everything. We can develop by ourselves, but it's for our partners, not only for、right. our business, right? I did not satisfied about that business. Only development for partners, right? Well, it's not—it's not rewarding. But how did you make that change? Because almost every software development company、uh-huh. in Japan、uh-huh. dreams about、uh-huh. becoming a real software company where they're in control of their、yeah. own products and control of their own customers.、Uh-huh. But it's hard to make that change. You know, it's—it's、yeah. it's hard to give up that、uh-huh. cash flow. So, how did you do that? It, A good question. <laughs> of course, it's hard for me too, but I did. Just did. <laughs> How big was the company when you made that shift? When we did that、uh, contract-based development,、uh, our staff is increasing. Was increasing, twenty or thirty members on that timing. Okay. But now, right now,、uh, we have only seven members, so we, you know, re- reduced. Yeah, yeah, you, that that's cutting a lot of staff. So yeah, that... yeah, I didn't、uh, do well doing two things at the same time. I mean, okay, you know, contract-based development and、uh, new development for our original platform. So I couldn't do both things at the same time. Okay. So、uh, that means our、uh, sales amount of contract-based development. It's reducing, of course, because we started to think about another thing. 
So it sounds like you just pivoted the whole company. You reduced the size of the staff. Mm-hmm. You were turning away a lot of work because you wanted to focus on on products. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing to do. I think mm, most yeah. companies can't do that. Yeah, uh, probably so. Um, so what year was that? When did you decide that you were going to focus on products? My company name is Aquabit Spirals. Okay, Aqua means water, right? right. It's a physical elemental things. And the bit is a digital data. Aqua bit spirals means uh, connect aqua, means uh, physical with digital, and uh, make a spiral and uh, create new value. It's aqua bit spirals. So spiral like DNA spiral. Right, right. right. Oh, okay. okay. Contact-based development on smartphone, not create new value connecting physical with digital. It's just a, just a development. Well, that's, that's always the trade-off. I mean, if you have skilled engineers, mm-hmm. you can always make very steady, good money doing contract development, mm-hmm. but you will, never, you will never achieve your own dream. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that's the trade-off. Yeah. Achieving your own dream, building your own product is mm-hmm. incredibly risky. Risky. But the uh, you know, important thing for CEO is uh, don't forget the mission. Of, the, of that company, right? Yep. So I noticed our mission is connecting physical to digital, but the development, just the development for our customer is not that thing. Okay. So, we, so I noticed, oh, I have to change something. I have to develop our platform business uh, to connect physical to digital. Then I uh, go to the many places in the world and uh, find many technologies and learn many technologies and cases and learned a lot of things about that. So you started the company in 2009 doing mm-hmm. contract development. What year did you decide to pivot to working on your own products? Maybe the end of 2009 established and maybe the end of 2011. That means you were working on this project or similar projects for a couple of years before you started gathering funds and attention. Actually, the first time I heard about you guys mm-hmm was uh, spring of 2015 mm-hmm. when you were part of the Orange Fab incubation, yeah. right? Yeah. Tell me a bit about that. Was that accelerator program, uh, was it investment? Was it just coaching? What was it like? Orange Fab Asia was a big turning point for me and for our business mm-hmm. because, uh, as I told you, I got some idea at the end of 2011. Mm-hmm. And then we started to develop our first version of uh, you know, Connect uh, Physical to Digital. At first, it was browser-based, and we have developed over two or three years for this product. Accelerators and incubators are often filled with people who are just out of college. They might have an idea, mm-hmm. but you guys had experienced developers. Mm-hmm. You've been working on this project for oh. three or four years. Uh, yeah. Why did you decide to go into the Orange Fab incubation ah, okay. program? Before this company, I did my first business for a long time, over 15 years. From 1995, I established my first company, and I did a lot of um, development on the internet. Yeah, the uh, PPP, right? Right, yeah. 3P Digital Factory. Yeah, it was my first business. So I have a lot of experience over 20 years on this internet industry. And then, uh, so that means 
I did by myself over 20 years. Right. So I did not know what is a startup ecosystem and、uh, what's the meaning of、uh, getting money from、uh, investors. So I have no idea about that because I could do my business by myself. And then I established this company, but it's still my private company. It's、uh, my idea.、Uh, we developed that system by ourselves.、Uh, we could do everything but,、uh, on development. So, what did you want from Orange Fab? I wanted to know what is startup ecosystem. You know that program is driving by、uh, Orange. Orange is a French company. So, as I told you, I focused on not only in Japan but、uh, you know、uh, global market from the beginning. But uh, of course, uh, I have no connection with、uh, acceleration program or startup ecosystem in the world. My connection is only you know business side. You know. Okay, so so you were really hoping to build up your network and learn more about what it was like to run a startup. Yes. Did they invest in your company, or was it simply coaching and advice?、Uh, simply coaching. Yes, and、okay. uh, we have、uh, many mentorings. So they gave us chances to pitch to foreign investors and potential partners. You also went into the Tokyo Acceleration Program,、right. and for our foreign listeners, Tokyo is one of the biggest private railway companies in Japan. But they're much more than that. They run department stores and all kinds of things.、Mm-hmm. So you're kind of an accelerator junkie.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, because uh, Tokyo Acceleration Program is an open innovation program. By big company. Okay. That means we can get a lot of opportunity to approach、uh, Tokyo Group companies. They have many, many group companies. Not only railways, but、uh, retail industry and tourism and、uh, hotel and every industry. Okay. It's kind so, of conglomerate. So even though they called it an accelerator, it really was more of a chance to pitch to all of the different divisions within Tokyo. Yes. Yes. Oh well, that'd be a great thing to do. Right. And you've been successful at it, right? We have started our first test marketing program at the end of last year, and right now we started another test marketing from July, and now we are preparing the next one right now from this autumn, and also、uh, we have many approaches from their group companies, many group companies right now. So, so there's a, a big chance of collaboration in the future right, right. as well. And, and also now we are expecting to get investment from that group company in the future. Not now, in the future. Okay, step by step. Yeah, step by step. Yeah. Let me ask you kind of a personal question.、Uh-huh. Startups are still kind of new in Japan,、uh-huh. and you graduated from Waseda, right? Which is one of the best universities in Japan.、Mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and instead of going to work for one of Japan's big corporations,、mm-hmm. like most of your classmates did,、mm-hmm. you decided to go out on your own and form a digital agency.、Mm-hmm. What did your family think about that? Were they supportive of that? Actually, did... my family did their own business, right? Ah, okay. So it's very natural for our family doing our business. My father, the business is、uh, selling cars. New cars and old cars,、uh, and now they are running a car showroom in my hometown. Okay. So my first experience to sell something in my life, I was nine years old or ten <laughs> years old. Okay. I sell a used car. 
to my teacher, school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So you started selling really young. Right. Yeah. But you know that is something very common. I find most successful young entrepreneurs、uh-huh. had at least one role model within their family. Actually, my father started up another company in his maybe two or three company in his life, and、uh, also my mother had another company. Yes.、Yeah, so, so, so both、oh. of your parents were entrepreneurs. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> parents. So you're the very unusual situation where both parents were really happy when you decided to start your own company. I think so. Yeah. Okay. But most of your classmates went and joined large companies, right? But actually, I joined to the big company. It's a recruit. You know, do you know?、Oh, okay, sure. Recruit. It's the largest recruiting headhunting、right. firm in Japan. After I graduated Waseda University, I started to work in recruit as a、uh, sales. So you, you tried to be a normal, productive member of society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened? I spinned off. So it, it was kind of my fault, big fault. But、uh, I couldn't. Make good relationship with team members and and big company because you know I I did by myself everything and、uh, my sales was not so bad you know、uh, sales result so I misunderstood probably I'm genius probably <laughs> I'm a top salesman probably I you know <laughs> it's misunderstood I understand right, right now but、uh, you know I. Uh, But I, I, I think, I think this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs at heart、mm-hmm. have trouble with in big companies.、Mm-hmm. So I, I've worked for big companies too. I've worked for Zurich Financial. I've worked for Fujitsu,、mm-hmm. and it's hard.、Mm-hmm. The big difference is that most people focus on their job、mm-hmm. and they care about their job and they try to make their job more efficient. But entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs at heart tend to look at everything,、mm-hmm. and they will say, "Well, why don't you guys do this, or I can do this, and、mm-hmm. we can change this, and we can improve this."、Mm-hmm. And in our minds, it's a wonderful thing, but everyone around us finds us very annoying. Mm. Mm.、Uh, that's why we、uh, cannot working for so long time in big company. Especially in Japan,、uh, they have kind of many rules in the team. But sometimes it's meaningless. You know, the rule is not for making new values, but、uh, just for keeping same the same. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, just keeping、that? the status quo, uh, keeping uh,、right. things the same, keeping same the same. Yeah. yeah.、Um, it's very, very difficult to explain.、Uh, no, no, but it's a really good point. Please、yeah. take your time. Okay.、Um. Because the fact is, there's a lot of people working at big companies、mm-hmm. that are maybe entrepreneurs at heart. Mm-hmm. Why I decided to leave big company over 25 years ago? I did something for my customer,、uh, which I believed this is good for our relationship and good for their business.、Mm. I did something, but、uh, my boss. Have not、uh, evaluated for,、uh, that thing. So he didn't evaluate it the same way, or yeah.、Mm. And I went to the headquarters of that company, and、uh, I claimed to another boss. Right, I did this 
something like this. Yeah, it benefited everybody. Yeah, but uh, another boss said to me, okay, I understand what you did and what you believed. I understand, but this is a team and this is an organization. So I cannot do something for you right now. Yeah. Go back to your office and, um, you know... Um, and follow the rules. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, I know. I can't do it anymore either. Yeah. But, but now I understand, because now I have a team. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, I have a boss, and I have a boss of my team, so now I understand. But I couldn't understand about that, because I did, my, uh, I did, I did good thing. You know, I believed so. But they couldn't um, understand about that. So it's a big gap for me. Yeah. Listen, before we wrap up, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. Mm-hmm. And that is, if I gave you a magic wand mm-hmm. and I said you could change one thing about Japan, mm-hmm. anything at all, mm-hmm. you could change the attitude towards risk, you could change the education system, mm-hmm. you could change the way, the, you could wow. change financing to make things better for startups in Japan, what would you change? Mm, maybe this is the b- biggest question of today, mm. right? Yep, it is. <laughs> okay. And this is, again, we don't do it live. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Have a drink, think about it. <laughs> yes, uh, we have a big market in Japan, so that's why maybe we can, we can kind of success only in Japan. Sure, yeah, it's a big enough market. A lot of companies don't have to look outside Japan. Yeah. As one of my friends in Israel is a serial entrepreneur and he started up some, one of his uh, company in China. Hmm. Uh, and uh, it, it, and uh, uh, Alibaba invested to his company. So that's why uh, that company got a big success in Chinese market. When we met in Mobile World Congress, I asked him, why did you start up that business in China? It, it was a very natural question from me as Japanese. Of course. And he answered, why? Oh, I don't understand that mean, why? Because, uh, you know, please imagine our market in Israel. Israel market is, we, we don't have a big market in Israel, in my country. That's why everybody, uh, every entrepreneur think at first which country is the best market for this business at the beginning of startup. He said so. Hmm. So I noticed, ah, oh, that's why we have a big market in Japan. So we started all, everything in Japan and uh, we don't go to the, you know, uh, the foreign countries. So you would use your magic wand to change startup founders' thinking to be that the entire world is their no, no, market? No, 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 no. I have a next story. Oh, right? Okay. Okay? So he said to me, entrepreneurs should think fast uh, the global market at first. He said to me. And I understand about that. And the next question is, why Japanese cannot do that? So it's uh, just a language, I think. Really? Language, yeah. I think I'm going to disagree with you on that, because if you look at Japanese history mm-hmm. 
And if you look at these incredible disruptive companies in the 60s like Seiko Mm -hmm. uh, and Honda Mm -hmm. and Sony, their language skills weren't really particularly good. Mm -hmm. But they built global brands and global markets Mm -hmm. on their own. Those companies, for example, uh, the entrepreneur of Honda, Soichiro-san, maybe uh, he couldn't speak English well, probably. But uh, surely one of those members can speak English, of course. Right? Yeah. And uh, if almost of Japanese can speak English, you know, now we have internet, right? Yeah. So we can access all of the information in the world. Uh, it's easy to access to the global market and get information and uh, correspond with uh, people in the global market. If we understand English well, we can get a lot of information in the world and uh, we notice what is moving and what is changing in the world. You know, that means opening the eye. You know. Do you think it's improving? Do you think more Japanese startup founders... I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. If I have a magic wand, all of Japanese startup entrepreneurs can speak English as same as native speakers. That would change things. Because uh, th- yeah. they, then they can communicate directly with all of people in the world. That's an interesting take because I think that most Japanese say they want to go global. Mm-hmm. They know it's important, but the lack of English makes them a little afraid. Uh, makes afraid. Uh, if understand well, you know, in no English. Fear. Uh, no fear, you I mean... The, the startup founders would not be afraid, they would not be shy to go overseas. Uh, uh, okay. But it's getting better. Getting better, yeah, getting That's better. Good. This has been a fantastic discussion. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to edit this down to 30 minutes. Uh-huh. But uh, thanks so much for sitting down with okay. me, it's great. Okay, thank you very much. It's, it's very good time for me too. Some of Japan's largest corporations are starting open innovation programs and are actively reaching out to global startups. They're new at this, and that's where Crew, with two W's, comes in. Crew runs open innovation programs for companies like Toyota and Panasonic and dozens more. And these programs are one of the best ways to jumpstart your business in Japan. Many are open to global startups, and they're completely free. Now, I know, and I work with the Crew team, And they're probably doing more than anyone to bridge the gap between corporate Japan and global startups. So drop by crew with two W's dot M-E slash four hyphen startups and get started. And we're back. You know, some of the best conversations I have with our guests and some of the best insights happen after I turn off the microphones. Now, normally I just kind of weep quietly to myself about the missed opportunities. But in this case, Toma made me promise to make an addendum on how he would use his magic wand. The importance of speaking English is not just being able to communicate with stakeholders and gather overseas market information. It is, as Tomo explained, to explain your passion in your own words. And for early-stage startups, well, this is how substantive deals get done. Early on, most of your business partners, 
they will like your product or service, sure. But when they decide to work with you, it's because they believe in you and the team. A global mindset is not just about market entry or having a distributed virtual team or outsourcing manufacturing to China. It's more about not defining markets geographically at all and certainly not restricting yourself to a home market. Of course, that's much easier said than done. And founders from places like the U.S. and Japan have the luxury of a large home market. But the steady stream of startup success from small nations like Israel and Singapore tells us that there really is something to this idea of not going global, but being global. I think we'll be hearing a lot more from Tomo and Aquabit Spirals very soon. If you are part of a startup that's either going global or being global, Tomo and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show 054 and let's talk about it. When you drop by, you'll find all the links and sites that Tomo and I talked about and much, much more in the resources section of the post. And I also want to let you know that our second anniversary live show is coming up on September 13th at Super Deluxe in Roppongi. If you're on the mailing list, you'll be getting updates and information. And if you're not on the mailing list, well, you really should be on the mailing list. You can sign up at the site, and you can also get the event info there or on our Facebook page. And most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.